You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and co-owner of Sacred Chill West. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. Be sure to listen to the end of today's episode to find out how you can join the next virtual meditation class for free. Happy Monday. I am, as always, really, truly glad to be here with all of you. Um, And as happy as I am to be here with all of you, you know, the truth of the matter is uh, I've really been struggling the last couple weeks. And I thought, you know, if I'm struggling with a lot of tough emotions right now. It's a fair guess that you are too. Some of you are. And so I thought we would talk about it because it can be really easy on the surface to think that emotions like fear, anger, rage, that they don't have a place in a meditation practice. You know, on the cover of magazines, it appears like those who meditate don't feel that, or, and we meditate so that we won't feel that in the future. And I think both of those statements are incredibly false, actually. And I really wanted to take an opportunity to talk about what do we do with the really big, tough emotions within a meditation practice as meditators? What do we do when we are struggling with rage? or with heartbreak, or with grief, or any of the, the big, heavy emotions that are part of a healthy life. And, you know, so the truth is, as I've been thinking about what I've been feeling and experiencing just in my own body, I feel a lot like I felt about a year ago, right, as we were really settling into the first wave of COVID in this country. And we had stay-at-home orders and there were Black Lives protests and there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of call to be awake to suffering, to struggle. And what happens for us when we are lucky enough to have a relatively safe and healthy life is we have a healthy nervous system and something like COVID happens, something stressful in our lives happens and our nervous system responds in a peak, right? So if you're like in class, you're seeing me make kind of a mountain shape with my fingers. Our nervous system hikes way up, we go into fight, flight, freeze. And then after that stressful event, our nervous system drops back down. And now we're like in a valley, we're at base level. And when we're safe and healthy and there's not a ton of stress in our lives, we're lucky enough to have these nice extended periods of base level, extended periods of hanging out in the valley. And that's the chance for our nervous system to rest and reset, rebalance, so that you know the next stressful thing comes along and we have like a little peak back up and then we drop back down and we have our extended break. And what's happened in this last year, and you know, really truly for even longer than that, if we've been paying attention, is we keep having these little mountains. And before we've even had a chance to drop back down to base level, the next peak comes. 
And so instead of our little graph looking like a bunch of mountains and valleys, now what it looks like is the jagged ridge of a mountain line that is never ending, right? The base is nowhere to be seen. And so then we have the insurrection at the Capitol a couple, two weeks ago, and our poor nervous systems that are already exhausted and spent just had this next huge spike. And so now here we are with a depleted nervous system trying to process fear, anger, rage, grief, all of these big emotions, and it can feel in our bodies exhausting, heavy, completely overwhelming, like you might feel like full to bursting almost, or conversely, completely empty and numb. It shows up in a lot of different ways. And so I want to take time to talk about what do we do with that? How do we practice within that? Because, you know, for me, a lot of times when it's really big, the last thing I actually want to do is sit down on a meditation cushion. So we're going to talk about what happens when that happens and how we practice, how we embrace that. And we're going to talk about it um, while honoring Martin Luther King Jr. Because that is the day and because his teachings are so applicable to the moment that we're in and to what we're talking about in this particular moment. So every year uh, I try to revisit some of his writings and this year I chose to reread A Testament of Hope. And this is the paragraph that I pulled out to frame tonight's conversation. And I'm just reading like a little tiny excerpt and this is specifically about nonviolent resistance. So he writes, nonviolent resistance avoids not only external physical violence, but also internal violence of spirit. The nonviolent resistor not only refuses to shoot his opponent, but he also refuses to hate him. At the center of nonviolence stands the principle of love. The nonviolent resistor would contend that in the struggle for human dignity, the oppressed people of the world must not succumb to the temptation of becoming bitter or indulging in hate campaigns. To retaliate in kind would do nothing but intensify the existence of hate in the universe. Along the way of life, someone must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate. This can only be done by projecting the ethic of love to the center of our lives. This can only be done by projecting the ethic of love into the center of our lives. And so I'm going to sort of continue on the personal story and then I will expand it out into these universal teachings. I really believe that teaching and I spend a lot of time thinking about it and pulling it into my practice and my reflections and I teach it in our home to my kids. So I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and I'm lucky that they're young enough that I have not had to explain the politics of our country to my children. I have not had to explain the last four years of our presidency to my children. I've gotten to keep that a secret from them. And in our house, we choose not to turn the news on. We don't watch the news in our house, uh, and we don't talk about it in front of our kids either. So we talk about it after they've gone to bed. And to my knowledge, I don't think I have ever said Donald Trump's name in front of my kids. I really don't think I have, although clearly they have heard it because uh, the day of the insurrection, 
obviously I watched. I couldn't not. And I had my earbuds in. I was watching on my computer. I like shoved the kids in front of a cartoon. I was like, watch this. And mommy's sitting at the table. I'm watching. I'm crying. And obviously my six-year-old notices and asks what's going on. And I said, something really important is happening and, and mom needs to pay attention to it. And that's all I said. And a couple of days later, we were in the car and my son says something like, I, I wish I could remember the exact thing and I can't. So I'm using broccoli as the sub in because it was something as inane as broccoli. But we're in the car and he goes, mom, I really hate broccoli. And we talk a lot about the word hate in our house and we don't use the word hate. And he said, so he says, I hate broccoli. And then he says, is it okay that I said I hate broccoli because it's a thing? It's not a person. It's not an animal. It doesn't have feelings. Can I hate broccoli? And I said, yeah, I think that's fine. I think if you want to hate broccoli, you can hate broccoli. I think that's an okay thing to do. We just don't want to um, apply that to people. That's hurtful. And he goes, I know we don't even hate Donald Trump. And I, you know, like my brain, I, it was like literally the emoji because I'm thinking, what the hell? <laughs> Excuse my language. But like, A, how do you know his name? And B, way to call your mom out on her hypocrisy here because I don't actually know that I can make that statement in full honesty. And so, you know, out of the mouths of babes, here I am on my meditation cushion being like, wow, am I really practicing the principles I teach, right? And it's a big, am I? It's a big question. It felt hard. And so what I want to share today is what do we do when it's a big question? Because it's one thing to read beautiful words on paper and be like, of course I agree with that. And it's another thing to have everything that you believe in your life to be good and true and moral and ethical to be thrown in your face and you still have to say, oh, I don't hate that person. I still have to practice compassion. I still have to practice that openness of heart. So what do we do? I think the first thing we do is this. When we're on edge, we don't do anything, which is why I'm teaching this class two weeks after instead of one week after. I was not ready to say these words last week, right? When we're on edge, do nothing. Full disclosure, I have watched more Netflix in the last two weeks than I have probably watched in the last six months. That's my coping mechanism and we all have them. And if it's semi-healthy, when you need it, you use it, right? What that does, that Netflix, that, you know, online shopping or eating the chocolate cake or whatever, it's a numbing technique. It's not a healing technique. It's not a processing technique. It's a numbing technique. And what that does is it says, whoa, your nervous system is freaking out. You are freaking out. Nothing good is going to come out of your actions in that moment. Sit down until you're ready to get up, right? So take the time you need. Is it a day? Is it a couple days that you need to sit and just like essentially simmer, right? Like get on the back burner for a minute and then make sure you don't stay there. 
What we can't do is now sit in front of Netflix for the next year. We have to get up. And the first thing we can do when we are ready to get up is take care of the smallest possible world, which is your own little world, right? We can make sure we're drinking enough water. We can make sure that we're eating something nutritious alongside that chocolate cake. We can make sure we turn off Netflix in order to get eight hours of sleep. Something small. We can do a load of laundry, right? And that stuff is so silly. It's so small. But what it is, is it's in essence extending a element of care into your own frame, right? And this begins that healing process for us internally, right? I care about myself enough to ingest water. I care about myself enough to get up and move my body, even if it is only for 10 minutes today. But some element of care extended in our own tiny world. And then lastly, we take the big feeling. I'm, I'm really using anger slash rage because that's what I honestly have been feeling. But you know that you can sub in any of the big ones. You can sub in grief. You can sub in fear. You can sub in anxiety. You could put all of them in, right? You take the rage. You take the big feeling. And you let it infuse, inspire your wakefulness. Right? And, and here's how I am approaching that. I brought words today from um, Young Pueblo. Fear seeks control. Revenge prolongs pain. Animosity disrupts peace. Compassion ignites healing. Honesty releases burdens. Happiness is letting go. I'm just going to read that once more. Fear seeks control. Revenge prolongs pain. Animosity disrupts peace. Compassion ignites healing. Honesty releases burdens and happiness is letting go. And you could pick any of those lines. The line that really has stood out for me in these last two weeks is honesty releases burdens. And that has been the piece that I have used to um, keep my wakefulness going. I've tried to be really honest. I'm being honest with you here tonight. I've been honest with my partner. I've been honest when I'm chatting with a friend and they say, hey, how are you doing? I've tried so hard not to say fine or to catch it when I do say fine and, and be to the level that's appropriate, honest about how I'm feeling. Because that for me is this first step of like, I don't have to squash it. I don't have to ignore it or numb it or pretend it's not part of my existence in this moment, it's very much a part of it and I'm using it in my practice. This is why I choose to practice so that my container is strong enough and my heart is courageous enough to not sit in front of Netflix forever, right? I can't do it forever. I got to feel it so that I can act from it. 
and I can act from it in a wise place, from an, a um, awake place, an engaged place, rather than a crazy person place, right? A like frantic, stressed out, overwhelmed, freaked out place, but from a place of grounding. So one last thing before we practice, which is now what do I do when I actually sit down on the cushion and I'm feeling all of this turmoil in my body, in my brain, in my spirit? So there are three things you can do. These teachings come out of the Shambhala lineage of meditation practice. I first learned them from Susan Piver, who's one of my teachers. Um, and I'm sharing them here today in hopes that they might also help you. And they were first offered to me as teachings to infuse an element of sacredness into your practice. Almost like, how do I next level my practice? Right? And we need next level, don't we? Like, we need that right now. And so these are the three steps to this. The first one is to make an offering. And we'll do all these tonight in our own little way. Make an offering can be as big or as little as you like. It can be something really formal on an altar, lighting candles, putting out water, rice, light, lighting incense, anything that feels appropriate to you. It can also be as simple as when we sit down, we offer up our hearts. We offer up our honesty, the truthfulness of our state of being in this moment. We offer that up for the benefit of not only our practice, but all beings. Okay, so we offer up our hearts. And then the second step is we request blessings. And we can request these blessings. We can call them in in any way that feels appropriate to you. And these can come from your lineage, like the line of meditators that extends through you, through me, through my teachers, through their teachers, through their teachers, all the way back. It can be through um, religious organizations that you belong to. It can be through your ancestor lineage. It can be through artists, poets, activists, thinkers that you are like, I need this today, right? We are meditating together on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so perhaps this is who you're going to ask blessings for. Is, Can your teachings inspire my practice, infuse my practice? May insight arise based on your teachings. That's what we ask. And then we meditate. And then at the end, we dedicate it all up. Everything. The magical, spiritual, deep insights. The crappy, I cried on the cushion for the whole 20 minutes. The, I rehearsed my angry argument. All of it. We offer it up with the hope that it benefits all beings everywhere. You don't have to explain how. You don't have to know how. We just offer it up. Happiness is letting go, right? Last line of the poem. Happiness is letting go. We're offering it up. This is what I got today. And then we go on till the next day. Yeah. And so for me, this is how I've been projecting the ethic of love into the center of my life in 
this particular moment in time. I hope it helps you guys as well. So let's practice together, yes? Okay. So take a minute. If you've already been seated cross-legged, just uncross. Cross your legs the other way. If you want to sit in a chair with your feet flat on the earth, if you want to lean back against a wall behind you, all of this is beautiful. You can let your hands rest onto your lap. Your eyes close. Taking a moment to just feel yourself land fully here in this practice. Let's start together here with a deep breath in. And exhale out a sigh. And we'll do that once more, inhaling deeply. Exhaling out a sigh. And allowing your breath to fall to its own natural pace. Taking a moment to simply feel your inhales and your exhales as you're settling into this practice. And as we settle, as always, we will start our practice just by silently saying to yourself, Now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And with that intention, in whatever way feels right for you, perhaps you would like to offer something up, just silently to yourself. Offering up your heart, offering up your rage, your honesty. Make an offering at the start of your practice. breath flows, see if you can relax through your seat, through your hips and your thighs, feeling yourself drop a little more fully into the cushion beneath you. Nice long line in your spine, seated tall tonight. Awake. You might feel your shoulders roll back and down. Crown of the head reaches up and back. And the muscles through the face soften. 
smoothing out between the eyebrows. And relaxing the skin around the eyes. Softening your cheeks, your jaw, your tongue. You might feel breath move out across your shoulders. Allowing your shoulder blades to settle and drop down your back. Gradually feeling breath move through your chest. If you're able to relax the muscles in the chest, you could do so. And if that doesn't feel possible in this moment, it's fine to just notice that. Feeling breath move down into your belly. And as you breathe, you want to soften the belly enough that as you're breathing in, you're feeling your belly expand. And as you're breathing out, you're feeling your belly contract just a bit. Inhaling, your belly's expanding. And exhaling, your belly's contracting. And as you feel your breath slowing down, smoothing out, You might in this moment just gently call in blessings from your teachers, from your guides, from your ancestors, whomever feels appropriate. You can just ask. May your wisdom infuse my practice. May your teachings offer me hope, guidance, inspiration.
when your request is complete, allow all of your awareness to rest on the breath, perhaps just inside the nose you'll feel as you breathe in the sensation of air moving into the body. And as you breathe out, the sensation of air leaving the body. There's nothing left to figure out, to discuss, imagine, or reiterate. For now, our thinking is done. And instead, we'll simply rest in the luxury of breath. Feeling each inhale. each exhale as its own note of care, just for you. We'll settle into about 10 minutes of silence here. Just continuing to feel each breath. And if you catch your thinking mind taking over, you can just notice that with a smile. Invite your awareness back to breath. And if at any point you feel strong emotion rising up, If it feels safe for you, you can just let yourself feel that. Noticing in the same gentle way you feel your breath. And if it feels too much, you can always open your eyes. For now, letting our breath flow and blessings infuse our practice.
feeling your breath here. Letting your breath deepen slightly so that you're really feeling as air is drawn into the body and released out yet again. And as you feel your practice coming to a close, perhaps you'll take a moment just to silently dedicate it up. Let go of the practice, releasing it out, everything that happened on the cushion tonight, dedicating it up and out to the benefit of all beings. When you feel ready, you'll wiggle into your fingers and your toes, just feeling those edges once again. And tonight, as you feel ready, you'll draw your palms together in front of your heart. You'll rub your palms together. We'll bring our palms together to generate just a bit of heat and friction between our hands. When your hands feel nice and warm, you'll stack them one on top of the other, right on top of your heart. So you want to have it pressed right over the sternum, center of the bone. Feeling that heat from your palms transfer through fabric, through skin, through muscle, through bone. Projecting that ethic of love right into the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. When you feel complete, you can let your hands fall away. You can blink your eyes open. Thank you, God. And as you leave your practice today, I'll just leave you with a reminder that if nothing else, take with you that there's room for all of it within your meditation practice. And that means both within the actual seat on your cushion practice, as well as in the life you live as a meditator. It doesn't preclude you from any of the emotions. You get to feel them all to the fullest extent that you choose to feel them and bring them into your practice for our own wakefulness. Thanks for listening to the Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, consider joining me for the recording of this podcast every Monday night during my live virtual meditation class. If you tune in for the live class, you get the bonus content that isn't included in the podcast episodes. There's always time for Q&A, and there's always the chance to connect with me personally. I would love to see your faces. And better yet, if you leave me a review of this podcast, screenshot it, email it to Meryl at MerylArnett.com. You get your first class with me for free. Email your review to Meryl, M-E-R-Y-L at MerylArnett, M-E-R-Y-L-A-R-N-E-T-T.com. Get your first class for free. You can find out the schedule, how to register, all of that good stuff by going to my website, MerylArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.